Welcome to The Logbook. I'm your host, Lucas Weekly. This episode is supported by you, the listeners, through Patreon. Head over to thelogbookpodcast.com for more information. In this episode, we have a very inspirational story about getting started in aviation and how it's accessible to anyone. I met my husband 10 years ago, and we started dating, and actually it was music, as you can see in my living room. It was music that we got together because he played guitar and all. I didn't realize he was a pilot, and as we're dating, he he says, have you ever wanted to fly? I was like, hmm, never thought about it. So he took me, he had a Cherokee 140 at the time. And he took me on a couple flights locally. At that time, we lived in Brevard County, which is Merritt Island area. And I flew with him and he said, now, wasn't that exciting? Don't you want to learn to fly? I never thought about that. Uh, I really thought flying was something other people did. I thought it was only for well-educated people, people with lots of money. It was something way out there that the normal everyday Joe really didn't do because I didn't know any pilots. I really, no one in my family, a lot of times pilots run in families too. So I'd never been around aviation or anything. So he said, well, why don't you take a discovery flight, which is your initial learn how to fly with an instructor and they let you do what is in your comfort zone if you want to Hold the yoke you can if you only want to sit. I mean, they're real nice about it. So I did. And I came back and he says, don't you want to learn how to fly? And I thought, this is so foreign to me, although I love flying. And I said, well, I could do that. So as I was thinking about how to go about physically learning how to fly. Now, keep in mind, this was only 10 years ago. I was 45 at the time. So I was a little older than, let's say, some of the young guys and gals learning, you know, as a career. So I had a whole different mental way I needed to see things. I learned a little slower, maybe, than someone who's a lot younger and can remember things. (laughs) So upon deciding, I decided to take a ground school course first so I could hear the terms, learn first on the ground before I ever got in the air. Because boy, there sure was a lot of different instruments in there (laughs) than what I'd seen in any automobile. So I I took um, local, at the local college in Brevard County, ground school. And I thought, okay, I can learn how to take a plane up and land it. Then they teach me how to read a compass. And I thought, what do I need to learn to read a compass for? Well, <laughs> I did I did learn why I needed to and all and there's a lot to it. There's a lot to flying. And then luckily my instructor was very very clever and he always brought in gadgets to help demonstrate. He was really good. And um I remember him trying to explain density altitude to the class and I was I was just I was like a deer in the headlights. I have no idea. <laughs> so it takes if you're not around it a lot, like when you were younger, 
it took me a lot longer to learn. So this was one reason I wanted to bring this story up of how I went about learning, hopefully to encourage some other people who maybe think they could never do it, but they really can. If your heart is in it and you want to, there's always an instructor out there who can get you where you need to be and help you along the way. Because if, if you read articles about learning to fly, it's, um, uh, they always say, don't be afraid if the instructor doesn't work out. It's not a personal thing, change in instructors. And I went through my share. And when I, I first started, I had uh, my first two instructors were young guys who were building their time to become commercial pilots. They need so many hours of actual flying time. And the first gentleman I was with, he taught, he was teaching me to fly the plane by feeling the plane and try to respond to the feel of the plane. I just couldn't get it. I wasn't understanding. And and about four months into my training with him, there was one point we're taking off. He's hollering instructions at me. I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm so lost and I'm only taking off. I'm still still just above the runway. And I'm break, I break down in tears. I just couldn't do whatever he was telling me. And I can't even remember what it was. And he turns to me and he says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm crying. And he said, I've never had a student cry. And I said, well, get used to it. And we took the plane down and I said, I think I need a new instructor. For some reason, the communication between he and I just wasn't making it. So that's when I got instructor number two. <laughs> he was another young guy, very, very nice guy, building his hours also. And I'm two, three months along with him too. And it ends up, he says, watch your airspeed, watch your airspeed. And I turned to him, I said, what's airspeed? And he said, you mean you've never been taught airspeed? I said, no, he told me to fly the plane by feeling. And uh, <laughs> so, so that didn't go over well. But I needed, I also needed an instructor. I found out I needed an instructor who could tell me something. And sometimes I needed it repeated three or four times before it really sunk in. Because learning to fly, there's a lot of building blocks before you get to that final, it all makes sense together. There's a lot to it. So with my second instructor, and of course at this time, I'm always trying to rent airplanes from the local airport. Well, a lot of times either the planes are booked up or you're the last one on the list and you get the one that nobody wants. And there's usually a reason <laughs> nobody wants that plane. Well, we taxi out this one day. And I'm sitting, I'm, I'm doing my run-up. I'm sitting on the edge of the runway there. And a chain falls on my foot under, under the dash. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. You really don't need it. And I said, I think I do. I'm sure it goes to something important. And it, was, it went to the rudder. And it, he said, that's fine. We can fly without it. And I said, I don't think so. You know, as a pilot, you're trained 
You're in command. You make the decisions if you're going to physically fly or not that day because you have the safety of your other passengers too at, at stakes. So I said, no, we're taking this plane back in. Well, from that point on, you know, I talked to my husband. I said, you know, it's really tough to rent a plane and get something at the time I'm ready to take a lesson. It, it, it was hard to coordinate. He said, let's look for a little, you know, trainer. Cessna 150 is what we ended up getting. It was a really in sad condition, very sad. So it, it was a project. And my husband, he absolutely loves projects and all. And it was something we rebuilt together for like the next three months, which gave me a break from flying. And one thing my, my husband uh, always told me, he said, when you, when, when you learn to fly, it's going to be frustrating because it's a lot of new stuff. You'll probably quit two or three times just due to frustration or, or you're at a, a plateau or something. It, it's hard work. It, it, it's, it, there's a few people it comes to really wonderfully easy. Great. But it, I was not one of them. I really worked at it. So after we ended up getting this cute little Cessna, which is the plane we still have, um, it was in flying condition, really nice, just average everything, just the six pack of instruments and uh, nothing fancy, just a good trainer. There was a gentleman on the field who was a um, CFI. A certified flight instructor. And he was an older gentleman. And I thought, that's the type of person I need to have the patience to answer my questions and take the time I needed to learn and go over the same concept maybe two or three times for me to learn it. Now, he himself only took three students at a time. So I had to wait till he had a slot open, which gave us time to work on the airplane. So within about two or three months, I, I was uh, a student of his, and he's the one who took me from my solo. He got me to solo all the way to getting my pilot's license. So it took me three instructors. It took me a total of two years. It was two years in my training. And when I did solo, um, I did it very, very well, but I did it almost, it was a good year into my training before I ever soloed. And a lot of people were getting very frustrated with me as if I wasn't learning quick enough. I had a lot of people saying, what are you doing? You're wasting time. You're doing, you know, but that's the way I had to learn. It took me time to absorb things. And I was also told usually when people solo, their first, it's a series of three landings you have to make. Your first landing is usually really good. Your second landing, you're starting to get excited and you get a little sloppy. Your third landing is sloppy, 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 but you're down on the ground and all that. And he said, that's average. That was my husband telling me that. And I said, okay. So it was in the back of my mind. Well, when you when I soloed, no one no one told me. My instructor never told anyone. It was a good day. It was early morning, and he he gets out of the plane. He said, "Take me over to the side. I'm getting out." I said, "Why are you getting out?" I had no idea. I was just shocked. He said, "You take it now." And I was like, "Wow!" 
So sure enough, I take off. I take off and do my first landing. It's good. And then my second landing's even better. And my third one was even better. It was like the best landing I had ever made. I was so happy and so proud. And I tell you, it felt so good to fly with no one beside me. It was like, I was so ready, but I was glad I took all that extra time. I wasn't nervous. It was like, this timing is so right. It's so, it was wonderful. That went really well. And then um, I had, you know, you do a couple of cross countries and a couple solo cross countries. And then one is your uh, solo cross country where you, you do three landings at three different airports, like full stops. And, and all those went very, very well. And, but I always follow the rule. Now, it took me three times before I did my solo cross country. There is a rule that a lot of pilots will use. If three things go wrong in the course of that day or getting ready, don't fly. It's just, it might be an old wives' tale or something like that. But I follow that rule. If something's not right, if I wake up late or if I'm a little bit tired or one morning I did wake up late for my cross-country solo because um, we we lived an hour away from the airport. So that made me hurry in the car. Then I was late when I got there and, all, and we said, nope. Second attempt the VOR didn't work well in, in the plane. It was sticking. I said, nope. I turned around. I actually got up in the air, maybe went 20 miles and turned around. I said, no, if, if an instrument's not working, I'm not going to do it. So it came back. So it was the third attempt <laughs> before I even made my cross-country solo. So, But it did. When I did it, it was perfect again. But I had a lot of, you know. But it, it's not something I have to do. I don't have to fly. Um, flying is a, a privilege for me and it's a choice I do it when everything's right and we have fun and it's beautiful blue skies if the sky's not blue enough I don't fly <laughs> that's another rule I've got <laughs> but what I <clears throat> wanted to tell everybody was if you really want to do it you can do it you know just keep persevering and if the right person is not that one instructor, there is another one out there that will work wonderfully with you. And it's like a business. You just got to link up with the right person and it'll go great. It'll go great. It's an amazing experience, I'll tell you. I, I never thought I would have done it, but I'm so glad I did. It is, it's amazing. Linda Zeisko still enjoys soloing her Cessna 150 named Homesick Angel. Linda is also an artist and she painted some illustrations on the vertical stabilizer of her plane that you can check out on our website. Linda has really grown her flying skills and after the interview we talked to Linda's husband and he said that whenever he needs to monitor a plane at a constant airspeed he would let her fly because she's more precise. More information and pictures related to the story can be found in the article at thelogbookpodcast.com. Special thanks goes out to Megan Brock, our recording and interviewing assistant. This episode was supported directly by your donations. If you enjoy the show, you can support its production by becoming a patron. 
Through Patreon, you set a donation level that is given every time a new episode is released, and you can always set a monthly limit so you don't go over your budget. Depending on the amount donated, you are granted access to different rewards that are as simple as hearing a sneak preview to the next episode, all the way up to exclusive content that didn't make it into the show. Any amount is helpful, and the more that's donated, the more the show can improve. Head over to our website, thelogbookpodcast.com, and click on the Patreon banner at the side of the page to start supporting. If you have a story about anything in aviation, we would love to hear it, and it may even become an episode of The Logbook. You can send us an email by using the contact page on our website. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back for the next entry in The Logbook. 